Good morning. You know, it's no mystery that there are a lot of people who have all sorts of ideas about who Jesus was and who Jesus is. Uh, some would say, you know, he's just a good rabbi. Some would say he's a good person, but he was mistaken. Some would say he was a liar. Some would say he's a crazy person. Uh, and, you know, there are, of course, people who claim that there was no ever, never such a historical Jesus. But if you talk to any uh, serious historian, even secular historians, those who are atheists, they would admit that there was a historical Jesus, though they might not believe the claims that he made. People have all sorts of ideas about who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And in the first century, there are Jews who have all sorts of ideas about who Jesus was and who he is, and they debate about what to believe about him. Uh, some thought he was somebody that needed to be arrested, some thought he was somebody that needed to be killed, and some actually start to believe in him. And so the Pharisees in John chapter 7, they're concerned about this, the concern about the people believing in him, and they think that he should be arrested. And now we're going to see next week how that turns out for them, right? What happens when all these people to arrest Jesus? But for this week, we're going to focus on the authority of Christ in John chapter 7. But to begin, look at John chapter 10. People may have all sorts of ideas about who Jesus was and who Jesus is, but the reality is Jesus still has authority. Right? You, whatever, whatever idea you have about Jesus does not change the authority that he has. John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You know, one answer to why did Jesus die, one answer you could give, one, a part of it, because he had authority. It's a weird way to answer that. One answer to why Jesus died, he died because he had authority. See, they don't lay a finger on him apart from he wills. The arrest, the crucifixion, was according to his will. So we're going to see that in John chapter 7. Jesus has authority no matter what people think about him. John chapter 7, verses 25 and 26, the text says, Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the, uh, the authorities really know that this is the Christ? Now remember where Jesus is from last week's sermon, right? He's in Jerusalem, he's in the temple, and he's down there for the Feast of Booths, right? And remember, this Feast of the Booths, as we discussed last week, is a celebration for how God provided for the Jews. Specifically, how God provided for them in the wilderness. And this feast, this celebration, was a requirement for all native-born Jewish men. And remember, Jesus, he went to this feast in private, and then he does this in verses 14 and 15, the text says. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? Remember also that his brothers, they want Jesus to go to this feast with a big public appearance, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes to a feast according to his will. All right, Jesus is perfect in timing, purpose, and will. He knows what is best. His brothers do not. And so Jesus publicly teaches when he thinks 
is best. And remember, there are Jews here at the feast that want to kill him. And the people in Jerusalem, they know this. Verse 25, right? It says that, is this not the man they, they, whom they seek to kill? Well, why is this guy standing up and speaking publicly? There are people here who want to kill him. Right? The Jews know this. And one would have thought that Jesus, you know, the smart thing to do, one would think, lay low the whole feast. Right? Don't openly teach Jesus. That would be dumb. There are, there are people here who want to uh, kill you. And one would think that that would be a death wish, Jesus, to openly publicly teach in the center of the temple, in the center of the feast, in front of the many, many people that are there, in front of his enemies. And as the people say in verse 26, here he is, speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? Right, so they know there are people there that want to kill Jesus, but they're doing nothing. And they think maybe for a second, maybe it's because they know that this is the Christ. They can't do anything because maybe they know this is the Christ. In verse 27, these people continue. It says, they say, but we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. This is something that some of the Jews thought then, and there are even some Jews who believe this today. They thought that the coming of the Messiah would be a big old surprise. That he would kind of uh, appear out of nowhere. And Jesus, he corrects this thinking. He says in verses 28 through 29, Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him and he sent me, right? Jesus, he corrects their thinking. No, 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 it's not like that. You know me, you know where I'm from, and I'm that person who's been sent by God. I'm the Messiah who has been sent by God. Keep in mind, Jesus has been abundantly clear with them that he is that person sent by God. Verses 16 and 17 in chapter 7, Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do the will of God, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus says, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Right? Jesus is abundantly clear with them. He is the Messiah sent by God. He is the Son of God, thus he is God. They knew what he claimed. Right? And back in chapter 5, verse 18, they know this. Verse 18, chapter 5, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. They knew what he claimed. The Jews were well aware of it. They didn't really believe it. They knew he made an exclusive claim. And look at John chapter 7, verse 28 again, that last bit there. He makes another exclusive claim and an offensive one at that. That last bit, it says, Jesus says, Who sent me is true, and him you do not know. He's talking to a bunch of Jews who have received the what we call the Old Testament, God revealing himself in the Old Testament through the prophets, through what he did, worked through Moses and the Israelites. They have, they have God revealed in those scriptures, and Jesus looks at them and says, you do not know God. It's pretty offensive. After all, they've received revelation from God. 
They have prophets from God. And Jesus looks at them nonetheless and says, you do not know God. This is another thing Jesus has been clear about. He's the only way to God. John 5, John 5, verse 23, Jesus says, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You do not honor God the Father if you do not honor Jesus the Son. Verses 40 and 42 in that chapter, Jesus says, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life, but I know that you do not have the love of God within me. You don't come to me, you don't have the love of God within you. John chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus says, It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You do not hear, you do not learn from the Father if you have not come to Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 19, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Verse 19, it says, They said to him, Therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. Verse 42, same chapter. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he who sent me. There's no boxing in Jesus. One cannot honestly say that Jesus claimed anything less than being the Son of God, thus being God. Even the Jews know this. They were well aware of what he claimed to claim that he was the only way to God. Back to John chapter 7, verse 30. It says, So they were seeking to arrest him, But no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. You see, Jesus, he has supreme authority as the Son of God. And this verse demonstrates that pretty well. They wanted to arrest him. They were seeking to arrest him. They even want him dead, but they cannot lay a finger on him apart from what he wills. See, Jesus, he has the authority to lay down his life and to take it up again. Nobody really has power over Jesus. Right? Jesus is arrested according to his will. He is crucified according to his will. They have no power over him. Nobody can box in Jesus. Nobody can confine him. Nobody can make him out just to be a good man. Regardless of what people think about him, he is the Son of God. He has authority regardless of what you or I think about him. The text is pretty evident. We don't give him authority. Jesus doesn't have authority simply because we believe in him. He already has that authority. Whether we believe in him or not, no matter what you think of him, he has authority. Back to verse 31, chapter 7. It says, Yet many of the people believed in him, 
They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? So while there are people who want him arrested, there are people who want him dead, there are some people who begin to believe in him. Now notice their reasoning in verse 31. Essentially they say, if he's not the Christ, then whoever is the Christ would have to do greater and more works than he has done. And in the text, in verse 31, it's a rhetorical question really with an obvious answer. The obvious answer is nobody's like him. Nobody has done what he has done. Nobody can do what he can do. He has to be the Christ. That's their reasoning here. And the Jews don't like it, verse 32. The Pharisees don't like it. The Pharisee heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. They don't like it. They don't like that people are believing in him. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons. They seek their own glory. They're arrogant. They're jealous. Uh, they think he's a heretic. The list could go on. And so they send people to arrest him. And take a look at verses 33 through 36. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer. Then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you'll seek me and you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? I think this passage, or these few verses, highlight the authority of Jesus again. They seek to arrest him, but Jesus has a better plan. right? Yeah, he's going to be arrested, but according to his own terms and according to his will. And keep in mind, Jesus' will is, of course, God the Father's will. But nonetheless, they, they can't do anything. They can't touch him. Right? You can't touch this in M.C. Hammer, in the words of M.C. Hammer. You can't touch this. Right? Can't touch it unless it's according to his will. And the response from the Pharisees is not really surprising. They think they have more authority than they do. Where are you going to go, Jesus? Where do you think you can go that we're not going to find you? And they think that you know, the, only, the only option he would have is go to the Greeks. And of course, the Jews would not dare defile themselves by going to the Greeks. It's like, where are you going to go? You have only one option, Jesus. They think they have more authority than they do. And then, of course, they're confused. They're confused by what Jesus means when he says, where I am, you cannot come. Verses 37 through 39, I think, answer this. I'm going to get there in a roundabout way. Verses 37 and 39 through 39, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what does Jesus mean when he says, where I am, you cannot come? I'm going to get there in a roundabout way. Hang on with me for a second. All right, so during this Feast of Booths, during this feast, water was important. All right, so in this feast, they had a ceremony essentially where they would take some water and they would pour it in a bowl before the altar. Uh, again, remember that they're, they're celebrating about how God provided for them in the wilderness. They probably had uh, in mind how God provided them water in the wilderness. And so see the significance of what Jesus says here on the last day. He cries out, If anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
And so they had these ceremonies, these rituals that they would do that center around water. And they would ask for God to provide for them, provide for them water. And Jesus says, come to me and drink. They keep asking for God that, for water that doesn't last. They, they recall the time in the wilderness when God provided water, but even that water did not last. And keep in mind who Jesus says this to. The Pharisees, the people who want him arrested, people who want him killed, the, even the officers there to arrest him. And he says, anyone may come. This is another thing about the authority Jesus has. Jesus has authority to where he can, he can offer life to anyone. It's not received because somebody has earned it. There's no earning this water. He can offer life to anyone. Anyone. You don't pay for it. He doesn't say, uh, come to me. If anybody thirsts, come to me and pay me a hundred bucks. No, he says, if anybody thirsts, come. The only prerequisite is that you recognize you need something. You need something from Christ that only he can provide. He has authority to give you life. Uh, and keep in mind, it's not that he's giving you something apart from himself. It's not like he's giving you a drink that's just separate from himself. He's not giving you some sort of special water. It's really, he's giving, him, giving us himself. John 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Skip down. Skip down verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That water, that drink, something to quench our thirst. He's not giving you something apart from himself. He's giving you himself. Verse 38, chapter 7. Look at it again. It says, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now remember, we covered this a few weeks ago. Believing in Jesus and coming to Jesus, they're inseparable. Right? You're not going to come to Jesus if you don't believe in Jesus. You're not going to believe in Jesus if you don't come to Jesus. They're inseparable. And so in this verse, what's the result of believing in him? Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let me interpret that for you. Not temporary satisfaction. Rivers of living water. Not the water that they got in the wilderness that only lasted 40-something years. Rivers of living water out of the Heart. By the way, I think this is why Jesus told them that they could not come to where he is. They don't believe in him. The Pharisees don't believe in him, thus they're not going to receive these living waters. Which is to say they're not receiving Jesus since they don't believe in him. And verse 39 explains this a little more. It says, now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, 
if the living waters are the Spirit, how can they also be Jesus? As I've already implied, how are they also Jesus and the Spirit? Well, Jesus sends himself by way of the Spirit. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. And he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now Jesus says this to them before they actually receive the Spirit. So what does he mean when he says that uh, he dwells with you? He's referring to himself. He's currently dwelling with them and later on will be in them by way of the Spirit. Back to John 7, what I really want you to notice about this passage here, verses 25 through 30 and 9, there's a a few different ways you could preach this. This is a struggle that I have every week sometimes. Uh, Passages, they might have multiple points that you could focus on. But in this passage, I wanted to focus on the authority of Jesus. And so in this passage, we see that he is in control. Are the people that have all sorts of thoughts and ideas about who Jesus is, but that does not change the authority he has. Just like today, there are plenty of people, plenty of people who have all sorts of ideas about who Jesus is, what he, uh, who he is, what he does, what he has accomplished. All sorts of ideas. It doesn't change who he is. Or you wouldn't say that if somebody had an idea about you, their idea changes you. Of course it doesn't. Jesus has authority no matter what people think about him. He has authority. He has power over all of us. We don't have power over Jesus. They didn't have power over Jesus. Nobody has power over him. Two, he has the authority to give life. Authority to give us living waters. The Spirit, which is to say he's sending himself by way of the Spirit. He has authority to give life, not just some specific people. He has authority to give life to anyone. It's a very important word. Anyone. People you might think aren't deserving, which you should include yourself in that. People who don't have it all together. Messy people. People who have lived such a sinful life, again, which is all of us. He has authority to give life to anyone. Not to who you think deserves it. Anyone. If you have not received that life, you can as we stand and sing.